good evening, good afternoon, and welcome back to the Candy Bag B. Well, what a fucking day. What a week. Work has been on my ass. Excuse all that. I gotta fix the mic. All right. Um, uh, work has been on my ass this week. Life been on my ass a little bit too. But not so much to where I'm kind of like, blah. It's just like, eh. Whatever that means. Um, I be up late as hell on Thursdays. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but anyway, before we get into the bullshit, let's get into the business. So, if you would like to contact me, you can email me at it's the candy bag bee. If you would like to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at the candy bag underscore B. That's B as in boy, I H as in Henry. And if you want to reach me on Facebook, you can reach me at the and then the rest is all caps candy bag B. Oh man, so um, today's topic is going to be a little heavy, but um, I think it is necessary because um, this topic isn't something that most people want to talk about or uh, are open to talking about or just talk about in general. Um, because it is, it is heavy. It is difficult. You do kind of have to, uh, not kind of, you have to take yourself back to bring yourself forward. And then you get to the hindsight is 2020 portion of it. But that doesn't mean it stops there. It's like, a ever it's consistent. Um, so Today, I am going to be speaking in reference to uh, grieving the ending of a relationship and what that actually means. And I do not have all the answers. All I know is what I'm experiencing, what it feels like to me, what I've read up on. And just providing a perspective on um, maybe if someone gets to this point, you're not mm, like blindsided by the things that nobody talks about and you kind of have a leg up or one up or you are better prepared and um, better prepared to understand what's happening. So in my life, growing up, you know, death is what people consider as grieving. What happens after someone dies or passes away. Um, and that's like the beginning and end of grief. Like that is a situation where people grieve. But no one really talks about, um, <coughs> excuse me. What happens at the end of a relationship? And that could be a friendship. 
that could be um, a relationship with your children, parents, spouse, partner, job. It's a variety of situations where grief uh, happens because of the dissolving of said situation. And um, it took me, so so I feel like I'm in my second wave of grieving. Because <laughs> the first time I was grieving during the situation. And going through those steps while I was still in it. And um, what I didn't know is that I'd have a second wave. Because the second wave is, all right, now you're out of it. And here we go again. So, grieving during a relationship because you know it's coming to an end. The other person doesn't necessarily have to know or care that it's coming to an end based off of how they relate to things and accept and so on and so forth. But as the person who is the one that's making the decision that, okay, it is time for me to go. I don't know about men, but I know for me, I grieved during the relationship. So those beginning stages of grief allowed me to be able to make certain decisions because I knew it was coming to an end. It didn't make it any easier. Actually made it harder. But I knew that it needed to happen, so to speak. And um, grieving during and grieving after, two different things. Those feelings aren't the same. They are, but they like are not. Hard to explain that. So, um, I'm not gonna hold y'all for too long because it is late, and um, this is heavy. But again, like I said, I feel like it's necessary. It's a lot of people going through transition transitions in their lives and their marriages and their relationships and jobs and all kind of shit and. Sometimes you just need to know that somebody understands where you're coming from. And I understand because I'm in it. So what brought me to this topic is um, last week's, oh, God damn, and I'm drinking per usual. Last week was Nikia's daddy's birthday, last Thursday. I was in a funk all week. I couldn't pinpoint it. I didn't know why. I was in such a funk because nothing had happened. I mean, it was a full moon and I know that somebody was had their micro braids tight. I don't know if it was Venus, Uranus, Mercury. Somebody's micro braids was tight. Um, And I found myself feeling very blah. And my emotions was just kind of all over the place, like inside. And I, I couldn't pinpoint it. It wasn't until... Monday or Tuesday, um, spoke to an acquaintance of mine, um, and he was saying that 
So what I said was, um, I've been in a funk and I, I can't really place it. I, I didn't, I don't know why I was feeling that way, but on the other side of it, cause most times I don't even realize what that emotion was, what that feeling was until after it's damn near passed me by. And I don't know if that's my coping me mechanism. I don't know if that's just the way I am able, which is coping, to reconcile what those feelings were. It's best for me to figure it out after they've already come to an end or already ended than attempting to try to figure it out during. So um, I was saying that I was in a funk. Like I felt really sad and I felt really... I, I was just down, just in a funk. And it was more so on Thursday, which was them kids' daddy's 40th birthday. Now, before we got to this point, you know, three, four years ago, I already had these plans in my head about what I was going to do for him for his 40th birthday, which would have been to send him, and I was going to pay for it all, to All-Star Weekend wherever it was going to be, because that was one of the things that he desired to do for his birthday. Now, the reason why he was going to go by himself, because baby, I don't do cold. Me and cold are not friends. I am a summer baby. I am an August baby. Okay. 80 degrees better. That's like 18 degrees or less. And no. So all of this is what I've realized after the fact. Um, but it wasn't that I was sad that I didn't get to spend that birthday with him. I, I do not miss him. I do not wish that we were still together. I do not wish that we were still a family unit-ish. I don't wish th that's not any of my feelings. But it's the, it's the memories. It's the, it's triggering. Um, and how my acquaintance translated it. He said, I understand how you feel because there was one particular, you know, woman who I have children by who we have great memories together, but I wish I could have shared those with someone else. Like I wish I could have shared those memories I had with her with someone else because I knew it would be a different experience. And that's what it was. I wish that I could have had a different experience for a birthday. And then I had to look back and my partner's birthday, his, his milestone 40th birthday was in December. And because of my transition and moving and all the money that I spent for that, I wasn't able to do for him what I wanted to do for his milestone birthday. So I felt bad. Nothing that he did, nothing that he said, it was all me. I felt like I wasn't able to celebrate him in the way that he deserves because of my transition and it made me sad and then moving forward you know them kids daddy his milestone birthday has passed and we're not together so again it's not that I miss him it's not that I want to be with him it's not that I want to get back with him it's, it's none of that it's just Celebrating his birthday has been a pattern and this is the first year where it wasn't. 
maybe the second year. I don't know. No, no, no. The first. This is the first year where I did not celebrate his birthday. I didn't tell him happy birthday. I didn't tell him shit. Your kids can tell you happy birthday. Um, since we've been together, which has been since 2008. Um, so that made me think like, God damn. Um, we don't really talk about the stages of grief after you break up with somebody. And that it is important to know what those steps of grief are, especially as far as a breakup is concerned. So you can move on. So you can move forward, not on. So you can move forward. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. I don't think I'm going to talk long because this shit is, this shit is heavy. <sighs> yeah, this is too heavy for me to have a dick tail. And who gonna shake me like this, 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 this is, I'm gonna let this be what that gonna, what, what this gonna be. You know what I'm saying? This is one of those, it is what it is, baby. Um, and that's what I like the most about my podcast is that there is no set format. I'm, I'm gonna do whatever it is I feel because for me, that is providing a space of authenticity authenticity for me more so than anyone else and I'm getting in the uh, habit of it doesn't have to be perfect um, it doesn't have to be done a certain way if for five episodes you do it this way and for the next 13 you do it that way that's okay because guess what it's your shit so I am ever moving in a space of accepting that this is not like any other podcast. And I'm going to keep it that way because it's not because it's me. Anyway, so there are steps in reference to grieving and grieving after a breakup. There's seven steps and I found this on uh, psychology.com. If you want to read this. Just let me know. I am, however, I'm going to pretty much read the entire article to you because they have it like in sections. And I, after reading it, I felt like it is important to read the definitions of what these words mean and then explain it or, or read what was listed on the article. In the article. Mm. Okay. So let me get my shit together. So you all can expect that for this to end with me um, listing the, the business. <laughs> and I'm going to just let that shit be. You know what I mean? I know y'all can hear that. My, my window is open and my window, um, my bedroom is in the front. Is that Jalen? I don't know. Is Jalen coming in? He said he was going out last night. Tonight, last night, yesterday. Shout out, whatever the hell. No. Not yet. Okay. Anyway, let me find this. Uh, 
Jeg mener, det er no chicken for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> oh, I love that. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay. All right, let me focus. All right. All right, so I'm going to read the stages first. The, mm, okay, the stages first, the definition, and then the article. Stages, definition, article, yeah. All right, so first we have desperate for answers, denial, bargaining, relapse, Anger, initial acceptance, and redirected hope. Okay, I'm going to read those again. While I pour my beer. We have desperate for answers. <laughs> so get so goddamn ghetto. Denial. Bargaining, relapse, anger, initial acceptance, and redirected hope. So we're going to start with number one. Denial. Uh, no. Ooh, child. This is what happens when you don't have your glasses on. Number one is desperate for answers. And you can, some of these are interchangeable when it comes to uh, mourning the loss of a loved one that, you know, passed away. This can, you know, they, they're kind of inter, intersect in some forms. So desperate for answers. So desperate is a feeling showing or involving a hopeless sense that a situation is so bad as to be impossible to deal with. And it is a, that is an adjective. Another definition is extremely bad, serious, or dangerous. So desperate for answers. So what that means is you have a feeling, a showing, or it's involved Involving a hopeless sense that a situation is so bad as to be impossible to deal with. So when you're desperate for answers, you're just pretty much grasping at straws. Trying to figure out how did we get here? How did this happen? I did all that I knew how to do. That's what desperate for answers is. So what the article says is, um, desperate for answers, the drive to know is consuming and can come at the expense of rational thoughts and behaviors. You must understand why this happened, maybe beyond anyone's ability to explain it. You fixate on things your ex said at various times that you see as contradicting the breakup. And you hold on to them as if they are gospel. Yet somewhere within, you have moments of clarity too. You likely swing back and forth between foggy disbelief, the daily moment-by-moment -moment rediscovery of 
of the magnitude of your loss and flashes of painful clarity that, of course, it's over. The pain, disorganization, and confusion can become all you think about or talk about. Mm. But initially, you remain driven to understand what happened at any cost. The desperation to make sense of something so jarring compels you to debate family, friends, co-workers, even strangers about why the relationship ended. While you justify to them the reasons it shouldn't have, as if convincing them it is equal to convincing your ex. Okay, he just got home. So being desperate for answers, it can consume you. Because you are looking for all the reasons why this happened. And that's the only thing that you're able to focus on is the why. You want to understand it, but you don't really want to understand it. Because understanding, it means that you understand how you got there. I've been through that stage before. So for me, it was my desperate for answers was during it, like when I was attempting to come to the decision, but I didn't really want to face the truth of it. So I attempted to make excuses for it and still ended up in the same place. All right, so we have number two, denial is the second stage of grief after a breakup. The definition of denial is the action of declaring something to be untrue. Again, the second step is denial. And the definition of denial is the action of declaring something to be true. The article reads, for denial, it can't be true. This isn't happening. You just cannot be without your ex. It feels like you've put everything you are into this relationship. It's been your world, your life. You cannot accept that it's over. You funnel every last hope into saving it, even at the expense of your well-being. You postpone your need to grieve its end because it's just too painful to face. In doing so, you temporarily derail the grieving process by replacing it with an unrealistically inflated hope that the relationship can be salvaged. I definitely went through denial. Definitely. And I went through denial for years. Years. I cannot speak for him. But I know for me, I went through denial for years because I did not want to accept that this was happening. That I knew this would be the end. That I knew it was coming. So I attempted to rationalize, oh, it's not that bad, oh, it's not that serious, we'll be able to make it through. Maybe if we do this, 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 and that, 
will be able to move forward, like move beyond this, this difficult portion in our marriage. And that wasn't true. Seriously, I was in denial for years. 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 Okay. We're going to move on to step three, which is bargaining. The definition of bargaining is to negotiate the terms and conditions of a transaction. <laughs> mm. I'm going to read that again. The definition of bargaining is to negotiate the terms and conditions of a transaction. <sighs> Been there. So, what the article says about bargaining is you are willing to do anything to avoid accepting it's over. You'll be a better, more attentive partner. Everything that's been wrong, you'll make right. The thought of being without your ex is so intolerable that you will make your own pain go away by winning him or her back at any cost. I don't know if I bargained in that manner. Of course, you're not logical at this point and probably shouldn't be operating heavy machinery. You are standing on the edge of what feels like an abyss, trying not to fall into the unknown. You cling to any hope you can to prevent yourself from losing what you have come to depend on, for better or worse. I've been here. Yep, that, yeah, I've been here. <laughs> Uh, however, during this phase, when you promise to fix all the problems between you, you are placing the entire burden of repairing, maintaining, and sustaining a relationship onto yourself. Fuck. Oh, shit. It's as if the responsibility is yours and yours alone to make it work this time. Been there, done that. Try your hardest during this phase to not lose sight of the fact that both, both of y'all, both participants in the relationship contributed to its end. That's a hard one because that requires personal accountability and being able to look yourself in the mirror and say, this is where I fucked up. You can't possibly take responsibility for everything. Somewhere inside, you know that. Bargaining can only briefly distract from the experience of loss. Reality inevitably whew, comes crashing down over and over again. Further, when you bargain, you're trying to take responsibility for why the relationship doesn't work, which may give you the illusion that you have control over it, perpetuating the belief that it's salvageable as long as you can just keep performing superhuman acts. Been fucking there. If I do everything that he wants me to do, if I'm a good wife, if I cook, if I clean, if I do all this and all of that, we'll be able to make it through this difficult time. I put it all on my shoulders. I can't speak for him, 
don't know if you felt like that, but I know I did. And honestly, I don't even care if he didn't receive it the way that I thought that I was giving it. I don't care. Because this ain't about him at this point. It's about me. And what I was going through at that time. Which does not dismiss or invalidate what he was also going through during that time, this time, or whatever time that was. And bargaining actually can prevent you from, it, it, it can prevent you from moving forward when you need to. And it can also stifle you because it puts a pause on the grief because now you're backtracking and trying to go back and scramble and kind of like pick up all the pieces that one in one swoop. You know how you've seen those memes where um, there are men who's like, I'm only making one trip to get all the groceries in the house. <coughs> That's essentially what you're doing. You're trying to grab all the pieces of the, the broken pieces of this relationship and carry it all yourself. It doesn't work like that. It's going to fall. There are pieces that are going to fall. All right, so step number four is relapse. The definition of relapse is essentially related to drug usage or addiction. It can be in this instance. I didn't like that definition. I didn't like, I ain't like none of that shit. So I don't have a definition for relapse. So all I'm going to do is read what the goddamn article say. So um, for relapse, it says, because the pain is so intolerable, you may actually be able to convince your ex to try again. I never did this. No, I didn't do that. This may not be the first breakup with this partner, but I did do that. In another relationship. You will temporarily relieve the agony of withdrawal. However, despite your best efforts, you will not be able to carry the the relationship solo. I'm sorry to say it. It probably won't end well this time either. And it did not. Unfortunately, you may need to go through this process of breaking up and reconciling more than once before you're absolutely convinced it's time to let go. Been there, done that. That doesn't feel good. This is why I don't backtrack. Relapse is backtracking and I don't, I'm not going to ever do that again. Like for real, I did it. I knew better. I still did it because I was sitting on false hope and tricking Trying to make myself believe something that wasn't true. I ain't going to do that shit no more. Because like the article said. It's going to end worse. And it did. It ended worse. After I backtracked and then came back. So number five is anger. The definition of anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. Again, anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. And baby, let me tell you something. 
If I don't know how to do nothing else, a bitch know how to be angry. <laughs> Got that shit down pat, okay? <laughs> oh, shit. I have definitely been annoyed. I have definitely been displeased. And there was absolutely hostility up and through that shit. I got anger down pat. I'm trying to move forward from that bitch. So, what the article says about anger is, initially, you may not be able to connect with feelings of anger. Breaking up plummets you into the unknown, which can evoke immobilization, fear, and dread. Fear at that point trumps anger. Therefore, when anger sets in, it's because you have let go of some of your fear, at least temporarily. When you're able to access anger, the experience can actually be empowering because at the very least, there are shades of remembering you matter too, of feeling justified in realizing that you deserve more from a relationship. Depending on your specific temperament, life and family experiences, as well as your unique breakup, your anger may be directed at your partner, the situation, or yourself. Been there, done that. The good news is that your anger, no matter where it's directed, is meant to empower you, whether you choose to see it that way or not. Whether you choose to see it that way or not. When anger becomes accessible to you, it can provide direction and create a feeling of aliveness in a world that's become deadened by loss. It can also remind you that you deserve more. Even anger at yourself, as paralyzing and self-defeating as it may be, is still part of the grieving process. The fact that you are on the trajectory trajectory of grieving the loss is a sign that you are working through it. I need to tell you that. It indicates that somewhere within you are creating enough internal discomfort to help shift your perspective about how the relationship has actually been. And it can compel you to make proactive changes if you are ready to let it. I like that. I do like that. I'm going to print this out and make sure I highlight that portion. Because feeling, the, the feelings of why the fuck did I choose this person to have kids with? Why the fuck did I choose this person to marry? Why the fuck did I stay so long? Like that is anger. I get upset when I think about it. Because why the fuck did I? Well, because I didn't know what I didn't know until I realized I didn't know it. That's why. But I never realized, I never understood or knew that in this situation with grieving, that anger could empower you. I didn't realize that it was shifting me to actually see how the relationship was. And to make those changes. Because I was open to making those changes. Hmm. I like that. This might be a short one y'all. This is probably going to be 45 minutes. Definitely less than an hour. 
Yeah, this shit is heavy. So number six is initial acceptance. That's the sixth step in grieving a breakup. So I broke it down because these are two words, initial acceptance. So the definition for initial is existing or occurring at the beginning. So at the beginning, something is occurring. Something existed at the beginning. Acceptance is the action or process of being received as adequate or suitable, typically to be admitted into a group. Like, you know, if you're pledging or whatever. Um, Another definition is the action of consenting to receive or undertake something offered. So you are um, occurring, you are at the beginning of the action or process of being received as adequate or suitable. So initial acceptance, how I hear it and read it and receive it is, I'm at the beginning process of understanding that this is acceptable or suitable. So I'm coming to grips with the fact that this is happening. This has happened. This is where we are. This is where I am. So initially I am accepting that this is the beginning of acceptance. And the article reads number six, initial acceptance it says this is the kind of acceptance that when it happens early in the process can feel more like surrender you are holding up your end of the breakup because you have to not because you want to either you or your ex has developed enough awareness and control at this point to recognize that you are not meant to be that was me over time this initial, often tenuous acceptance becomes more substantive. As both of you begin to recognize independently that there are boundaries that at least one of you must maintain in order for the breakup to stick because it has to. You are finally grasping that it's just not good for you to keep trying anymore. That's where I was. I had to get to a place of accepting that this is happening, that this is not working. It is not going to work and this needs to end. It is time to move forward. I remember when I got to the point of initial acceptance. And I can honestly say that I don't even know if I had gone through, I probably did go through all this other shit before and just didn't realize that I went through all that stuff. No, I did go through all that. What, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So I'm thinking now as I'm talking, yeah, I did go through all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I know I can try anymore. 
I knew that I was wasting energy. I was wasting my time. I was wasting his time. We were wasting all our time together. Hmm. Okay. All right. Number seven. And this is the last one. And this is redirected hope. And I broke this down too. Into the into the two words. I defined both words. So redirected means, or the definition of redirected is to direct something to a new or different place or purpose. So you're changing the direction of something. Instead of it being to the left, we're going to change it and move it over to the right. Or we're going to put it in zigzag or crisscross or swerves. That is the redirection. That is what that is. It's like a detour. Nah, no, not a detour. Yes, it's a detour. I'm working it out in my head, y'all. I sound crazy. I know I do. Yeah. Yep. Because mm-hmm. a detour is a, a redirection. Instead of being able to go straight down the path from A to B, you got to go A, B, C, D, maybe back to B, and then back to E, and then you'll finally get to C. But it's a whole bunch of shit in between there that you got to get through first. So hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So I'm going to put those two definitions together to further explain what redirected hope is. So redirected hope is to direct something to a new or different place or purpose with the expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this and we're going to take it around the other way because I'm expecting something different to happen when I go to the left of this path versus when I went to the right the first time. And you're hopeful that taking another path, taking that redirection will produce different results. So what the article says is, You were leveled by the breakup and have had difficulty letting go, in part because it shattered your relationship with hope. As acceptance deepens, moving forward requires redirecting your feelings of hope from the belief that you can single-heartedly save a failing relationship to the possibility that you just might be okay without your ex. Been there. It's jarring when forced to redirect your hope from the unknown entity of the relationship into the abyss of the unknown. That shit is scary as hell. But this is an opportunity to to redirect the life force of hope. Regardless, hope is somewhere in your reserves and you will access it again as you continue to allow some meaningful distance between you and your ex. The stages of grief that follow any trauma, breakups included, can happen over the course of minutes or even seconds, across days, months, years, and then switch around without warning, leaving you feeling without foundation, especially in the beginning. You feel alien to yourself or cut off from the world. Been there. However, like any emotional amputation, Continuing on in life means learning to live without that part of yourself and finding ways to compensate for its loss. Hmm. 
furthermore, recognize that there is a method and a structure of sorts to this chaotic grieving process. Knowing that you are not alone can help you ride it out. Your grieving is part of the human condition. Without it, we would not be wired the way that we are to handle the many pains and losses that occur in our lives. As the grieving process progresses, you will begin to see your way through to a point at which you can let go in a more proactive and self-protective way. A way that you may eventually come to understand as a new beginning. And that is that on that. This is one of those episodes where I'm actually going to go back and listen to it so I can hear it. Um, reading all those definitions and reading the expanded form of what is on that article, I definitely went through two. I'm, I've gone through shit going through. I've been through step one of grieving, like the entire process. I've done that while I was inside of it. And now I'm going through it again. I don't know when this will end. I don't know when those triggers will stop triggering me. I don't know when I won't be angry anymore. I don't know when I, well, I definitely do not have (coughs) any sense of wanting to be back with him. My hope has actually been redirected, but I feel like I am kind of, I'm not taking like one, two, three, four, five steps. I'm not like taking them in order. Them bitches all over the place. Some days I'm at a seven. Some I'm back at one. And then I'm at five. Then maybe two. Ugh, no, I ain't, I ain't in, I'm not in denial. I, I've been through that already. I'm not in denial at all that it happened. No. Yeah. Let me see. So I can honestly say that I navigate between mm. Mm. Yep, no, not that one. I move between right now I'm at anger. That's why I've been at the longest. I've been in anger and redirected hope. Five, six, and seven. That's why I've been for a minute. Um, six is initial acceptance. So we got five is anger. Six is initial acceptance. And seven is redirected hope. Those are interchangeable. I feel those on any given day. But in my case... The initial acceptance is that this is my new life. I am getting to a place where I am uh, accepting that this is my new life. Living in this in this space is my new life. Navigating day to day in my space is 
my initial acceptance like i'm still in it because it's still new you know i ain't paid rent for three times <laughs> thus far <laughs> so <laughs> six months down the road i don't know how I'm, how i'm gonna feel i don't know if i'll still be getting acclimated to this new way of life which i probably will because you know it's been 13 years in it so I know that I'll be able to navigate this feeling a little bit better. Maybe only a tinge, maybe only, only, you know, a dollop of daisy, but that's better than not. I'd much more prefer to not be in the space of anger as much as I am. But that's just... Me being mad at myself for not knowing something that I didn't know and I'm really doing the fucking most because how was I supposed to know? How would I know? I wouldn't. I'll be glad when number five doesn't matter anymore. Like when, when I'm when I'm not in the space of being angry that this is who I chose to have children by and this is who I chose to give a portion of my life to. But again... I have moments of anger and then I have moments of appreciation that I went through all that. And it's a constant up and down. Hmm. But I'm determined to get on the other side of it because I will get on the other side of it. It's just one of them things like, you know what? 30 minutes today, I was pissed the fuck off because of such and such and such and such. And then I moved on. And then, you know, that may get cut down to 15 minutes. And then the next day, it may be three hours. I don't know. I don't know. This is new. Never experienced this before. So while I'm embracing it, I'm like, God damn. This what people be going through? That's some bullshit. But I am thank to, thankful to have gone through it. Uh, to get here, I was, uh, my partner and I were talking earlier this morning and I said to him that even if we would have always gotten to the point where we were not together, I can say for me that I needed to take this path to get to where I am. I would not have been able to get back to me or find me had I not gone down that path. I had to go through all that shit to find me. And that's okay. I might be mad about that shit tomorrow. But today, it's okay. I'm appreciative of the path. And with that, I am done, you all. Thank you so much for tuning in again. I really appreciate all the likes, the shares, the comments. Um, every now and then, I, I'm trying to get a little bit more consistent with doing lives um, on my page. And I, I don't know if I can do both. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to think about that another time. But <coughs> again, my allergies are really fucking with me. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for liking, 
sharing, listening. Uh, I hope that you received something. I hope that you were able to see something in me that you could relate to. Um, I hope and pray that these type of conversations that I am pretty much having with myself at the moment until you all hear it, that uh, it makes you uncomfortable in a way that makes you self-reflect because we all need to self-reflect. We all need to look at ourselves in the mirror. And that's what I hope because I've had to do the same. I've had to look myself in the mirror. I've had to hold myself accountable for a lot of shit that I did do, that I let slide, that I didn't do. But it got me here. So, again, if you'd like to contact me, you can reach me at it's the candy bag bit at gmail.com. I can be reached on Facebook at the the rest of these words are all caps candy bag bit or and or on Instagram at the candy bag underscore B. Again, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got something from my experience and from my story, these definitions and that article. You all have a good morning, have a good evening, and have a good afternoon.